All right. Well, good morning, Life Point. Let's give it up for our Frisco site, okay? We're always thinking of them and praying for them, okay? Well, like Belinda said, several weeks ago, we started a series called The Call. And in the first week, we took a look at eight things that you and I just need to know in general about it. Last week, we took a look at the first of the five callings that God has on our life. And we discovered that, that it wasn't about us doing something, but rather it was about us receiving something, that God initially has called us to be receptacles, to be loved by Him. Today we're going to take a look at the second calling. Okay? The second calling. You have been called not just to be, uh, be loved by God, but to belong to God's church. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. God is the one who made all things, and all things are for His glory. He wanted us to have many children share His glory. Now, you've heard me say this before, but I just absolutely love this, especially on mornings when I walked out of my house, it was dark, I looked up in the skies and it was 53 degrees. That God made the universe in order to make our solar system, in order to make our planet, and He made our planet in such a way that it could sustain life so that He could create you, so that you could receive His love, and so that you could be a part of His family. He doesn't want you as one of His kids to be walking around as an orphan on the street. No, He has made you to be a part of His family. So will you write this down? My second purpose in my life is that I am formed for God's family. If God didn't want a family, guess what? You and I wouldn't be here. God made you to love you, and He wants you to, to love Him back, and He has made you to be a part of His family. And this plan is, has been from the very beginning. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Christ. And so the first purpose of God for my life is that I am to be loved by God, but the second purpose for my life is that I am to belong to His family. And God's family is this, will you write this down? The church. Now, Paul explains this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, verses 4 and 5, but let's bring it into kind of the 21st century, as if Paul were here with us right now. He would say this, I am writing to you, of, uh, to, to those of you who are in Plano, to those of you who are in Frisco, so that you will know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church of the living God, the support and the foundation of the truth. Will you circle the phrase, that family is the church? And so God formed me for his family, and that family is called the church. And the third thing that I want you to get is this. Will you write this down? I'm called to belong to that family. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. So now you are no longer visitors or strangers. Now you are citizens together with, with God's holy people. You belong to God's family. Will you circle that phrase, you belong to God's family? The second calling, the second mission, the second reason for your life is to be a part of his family, and that family is called the church. 
Look at this again in, in Romans, 1, 16, or Romans 1, verse 6. You are among those who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. Circle it again, called to belong. Folks, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, it's interesting that the word for church in the Greek is ekklesia, okay? It comes from the word kaleo, okay, which means called. And so the word church literally means the group of people who are called by God, the called out ones, ecclesia, called by God. Christianity is based on God's word, and God's word says that the church is called out. In other words, church isn't an event. It's not a program. It's not a building that you go to. If you would ask most people on the, on the street, what do you think church is? They would maybe point to a building and say, well, the church is that right there. That, it's right there. It's, it's where people go to. No. You see, the church isn't something that you go to that is filled with rules, regulations, and rituals. Rather, the church is something that you belong to. It is about a relationship, a relationship with God and a relationship with other people. Yes, we worship here in this building, and Frisco worships, worships at Hosp Elementary School. It's where we have a place to do that. But church isn't a place. It is, it is a people who have been called out by God to be in relationship with God and to be in relationship with one another. Today, what I want to do is I want to take, I want us to look at the five benefits of belonging and how those five benefits meet the five deepest needs in your life. As you go through the Bible, you will discover that the church is described in different ways, different metaphors. The church is the family, the church is the temple, the body, the flock, uh, the, the garden. And each one of those has implications for your life. If you and I could truly understand those five different metaphors, okay, we would understand how the church was designed to meet your deepest needs. And so let's get started. Plano Frisco, let's jump in and take a look at the first metaphor, which is this, it's a family. And in a healthy family, one of the benefits is that you, that, that benefits is you are taught who you are. I learn my true identity. And you won't learn that from the world. You won't learn that from your family. You won't learn that from uh, your partners or your peers. But you will learn your true identity found in a relationship to God's family. Now, it's interesting to me as a culture, we, we are fascinated with this subject matter, okay? We are concerned about our identity, and I, it shows up in a number of different ways, but primarily it shows up through the clothes we wear. Have you noticed that we actually wear clothes that, that advertise the brand? That when we go out and buy that expensive whatever, well, we, we show the name and we're doing advertisement for them. One, one of my favorite logos or brands is Forever 21. Not really, okay? I'm going to make my own brand. Forever 39, that's what, I, what I'm going to be, okay? Why do we do that? Why do we have all this stuff with these logos on it and we're advertising for them? Like, I carry around my Starbucks cup. Why do I do that? 
I'm cool. Oh, yes, and I have an Apple iPhone and an Apple iPad, and I have a Mac Pro. Why do we do that? Because we think the stuff is going to somehow make us have identity. We wrongly think that our identity is found in the clothes that we wear or the, or the stuff that we possess or the logos that are on our clothing. But the truth of the matter is most of your identity comes from your relationships, good or bad. And if you have good relationships, then your identity for the most part is good. If you have bad relationships, then your identity is complex. Folks, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, I am a member of a small group. All of these things are more, are, and more are uh, relationships that define who I am. You know who you are in relationship to other people. And so what this means is this, that if my connections or my relationships get broken or are poor, then, then I have a hard time knowing who I really am. When someone goes through a divorce, it begins to raise questions within them. When someone loses a spouse, when someone loses a job, questions are raised like, who am I? What is my place? What is my role? Our identity actually is tied up in our relationships, isn't it? And the challenge is this, that for a lot of us, we didn't have good relationships when we were growing up. We came from very, very dysfunctional families. And so how do I know who I really am? Well, there's some good news. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You see, what Paul is saying there is simply this, that it really doesn't matter what your family origins are. Your most important family is God's family. Why? Because it's permanent. Now, this may shock you, but your spiritual family is far more important than your physical family. A lot of times I like to say it like this, that, that blood is thicker than water and spirit is thicker than blood. Because your spiritual family is far more important than your physical family. Because no physical family will last forever. People grow up. They move away. They get divorced. They die. But your spiritual family is going to last forever. And so it truly is more important. And when you get your identity from God's spiritual family, what you are getting is long-term identity. The challenge, though, is that a lot of times we like to go, put, go out there and put our identity in things that aren't lasting, that are changing. I am an American. I am proud that I am an American, okay? But America isn't going to last forever. No kingdom, no empire has ever lasted forever. And so if you want a lasting identity, you got to put it into something that doesn't change. And that is God's family. And God in his word has even said, even the gates of hell will not change or prevail against the church. Now, it's interesting how God describes this family. Take a look at in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11. 
The writer of Hebrews says this, Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why he isn't ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Jesus comes along, if he were here right now, and he would say, sister, brother. You realize that's an amazing statement? He, 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 and he goes on, he says, and I'm not ashamed of you. How many of us here are, are ashamed of our brothers or our sisters that we have? Don't answer that question. Jesus isn't ashamed because you're family. What is he saying here? Simply this, that you being a part of his family are not defined by your sin. Isn't that cool? You are not defined by your sin, and that is why Jesus isn't ashamed to call you brother and sister, because once, you be, once you're in the family, you're in the family. And Jesus, your brother, is going to stick up for another brother. And Jesus, your brother, is going to stick up for a sister. By belonging to God's family, folks, we learn our true identity, and it has nothing to do with sin. It has everything to, to do with a relationship with Jesus Christ, who looks at you as an individual, as a man, and says, you're my brother. As a woman, you are my sister. And that identity has been hidden by the world because the world doesn't want you to know what God made you to be. He made you to be a brother or sister in his family. Now, it's interesting to me, when I was in Europe a couple of weeks ago, I, I went into a few castles, and there in this castle, in this great hall, was a crest. And that crest symbolized that family's identity. As I was there looking at that, I was thinking, hmm, what is the crest for the Christian family? Simply this, baptism. Baptism is the symbol, it is the outward symbol of the inward reality that I am in relationship as a brother or as a sister in Christ. And if you haven't been baptized, can I just ask you, challenge you, next Sunday, October 21st, or 25th, don't wait, the weather's getting colder. <laughs> so the first metaphor is, I'm in God's family, and it helps me to understand my identity. The second metaphor that describes God's church is a temple. A temple is erected for God's glory. A temple is where God's presence shows up. It's where he's worshiped. It's where he is loved. Let me read this to you. Write this one down, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and his spirit lives in you? I can remember when on this campus there was a lot of construction going on as we built the big house here and as we built the little house, the kids' house, okay? And as I was walking on that construction site, I noticed that there were a lot of pieces that these contractors were bringing in, these big I-beams with bolts and things like this that, that were to be fitted together to make the building. If those pieces weren't fitted together properly, then guess what? The building wouldn't stand. 
I also noticed that as I was walking around on the construction site that there was a lot of spare pieces of wood and piping and steel and, and, and things like that. It wasn't being used. It was just laying on the construction site and it never became part of the building. There's times when I walk through the church and I find that some of you are just like that. You're not connected. I want you to be a part. I don't want you to be a spectator. I want you to be a participator. I don't want you to be a consumer. I want you to be a contributor. I want you to be connected because the second benefit that you get is this, that in God's temple, I'm supported by others. In a building, all the connected parts hold each other together. And I'm sure this is not a shock to you, but there will be times in your life that you will need other people. You will need them to hold you together. You will need them to hold you up. And if you are not connected to the temple, to the family, to the church of God, you're going to fall apart. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 2, 21 and 22. In Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You see, you need this. You need to be a part of God's family to understand your true identity. And you need to be a part uh, of a temple to get stability and, and support as you are connected to others. A few months ago, I was at Stonebriar Mall, maybe you were there, and they had a Lego displays of national sites in America. They were huge. I mean, some of them was as huge as this stage. And as I was looking at these displays, I discovered that the only purpose for Legos is that they are designed to connect. If they don't connect, guess what? They're worthless. But if you connect them together, you can really build some cool stuff. But if they're not connected together, they're worthless. All they are is just a bunch of plastic. You are God's Legos. If you are a believer in Christ, and you are meant not just to be in God's family, loved by him, but in the temple of God, in the building of God, connected to others. Take a look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 12 here. I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. I, I, this is what I call building up the family. Your faith helps me, and my faith helps you, but that only happens as we are connected together. We have a class, I think I'm gonna rename this class called the Connection Class. Right now it's currently called LifePoint Membership Class, and I'm teaching it today. And if you haven't taken it, I want you to join me and be a part of this family. It is right after this service, 12.30, lunch and childcare is provided. And you don't wanna miss this lunch because it's really good, okay? I want you to be a part. Now, why is that so important? Why do I make that plea about once every, I don't know, two or three months? I'll say something along that lines. Why is it important that we have support and stability? Because folks, here's the deal. The number one epidemic in America is not finances. It's not. 
The number one epidemic in America is loneliness. People feel alone. Though we have all this technology that is supposed to connect us with one another, we feel disconnected. And this is especially true for the young adults, the millennial generation. So I just want to say something to the young adults who are here and who are listening online, because they do. Let me just say this. LifePoint Church isn't a perfect church, and I know that because it was started by an imperfect person, and you are looking at him. There's all kinds of flops, failures, and fumbles that go on in this church. But understand this, there is no such thing as a perfect church. And if you find one, don't join it. But this church is filled with a lot of loving people who are willing to help you at your stage of life. They have gone what you are going through, and they want to help. They just don't know how to make the connection. And so I want to say to you, the younger generation, open up to them. Start a conversation because they've been where you are at and where you are going. There are CEOs in this church that would love to mentor you in your business. There are, there are uh, empty nest families that would love to mentor you in your, your marriages. There are people who are mechanics in this church that would love to teach you how to fix things. There are women in this church that would love to help you understand what a wife does in a family. There is all kinds of support that goes on within the walls of this church, but you have to initiate. The church is a family. I learn my true identity. The church is a temple. I'm supported by others. The third metaphor that God uses to describe the church is the body, and I'm sure you've heard of this one before. What does this metaphor mean? Simply this, that there are different parts that are all connected together that, that can accomplish more together than they can separate from one another. When we do it together, what happens is that you will find your sweet spot. You will find your bullseye. You will find your niche. You will find how you matter. And so the third benefit of belonging to a church family is this. In Christ's body, I discover my unique value. Take a look at Romans 12, 4 and 5. Just as there are many parts to our body, so it is with Christ's body. We are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete, for we have different work to do. So we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. Now, this, these two verses right here in Romans 12 have some very important truths, four things that I want to convey to you. First is this, that nobody is like you. We're all different, and different is dynamic. The second thing that it says is that all parts are needed. In other words, no one can say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not important. When you make a jigsaw puzzle, and you put it all together, and there is one missing piece, what is it that you notice first? The missing piece. Every part is important. The third thing that this says is this, that each part has a role to do. I mean, what if we were all ears? We would really look weird, wouldn't we, walking around, you know, with little feet and big ear like that? No, we all have different things to do. I want you to hear uh, from Peggy, who found her calling. 
Take a look at this and listen to this. As part of guest services, I like for everyone to feel welcome when they walk into the door. Uh, I want them to feel part of the family because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. What I love most about serving is making people happy, whether it's with a smile, uh, helping them through a financial crisis, or just listening to what they have to say. I've been called to uh, serve on the guest services team because I want people to feel welcome when they come into the church. I love for them to feel like this is their home, even if they're just a guest. I know I'm serving where I'm supposed to be serving because I feel satisfied and at peace with it. I love working with the people at guest services, and I love making the people feel welcome when they walk in the door. Short and sweet and to the point. Give it up for Peggy. Give it up. You see, the, the people that are at our doors, they have a calling. They have the gift of hospitality. When you come in, they make you feel welcome, warm, and wanted, but not watched. The most important person on, in, in business is the one who's on the front lines greeting the customers, so to speak. And that is a calling. The fourth thing that this verse says is this, and will you circle this? We belong to each other. Now, I was going to ask all of us just to turn, to turn to the person next to you and just say to them real quietly and softly, we belong to each other. But I thought that sounds like a marriage proposal, and that would not be good, okay? And because I have the gift of discernment, we're not going to go there. But it is true, is it not? We just don't belong to God. Folks, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. In other words, what good is an eyeball or a hand or an arm or a foot that is detached from the body? It's not. It'll just shrivel up and die. It's worthless. In the same way, you can't be all that God wants you to be. You can't fulfill the calling that you have on your life all by yourself. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 16. If your foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if your ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I I'm only an ear and not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Answer, no. All the parts are important. Sure, there are some parts that are more visible than others, but all of them are important. Look at Ephesians 4.25. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other, and a disconnected part dies. Now, let me give you the fourth metaphor that God uses to describe the church, and it is this. It's a flock, like a flock of sheep. We're God's family where we learn our true identity. We are God's temple, where we support each other. We are Christ's body, where we discover our unique value. And then fourth, we are God's flock, where we are all banded together. Will you write down this reference, Psalms 100, verse 3? Let me read this to us. It says, God made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Now, you may be sitting here, you may be thinking, that doesn't sound too good, okay? Sheep, that kind of sounds like a flock, oh, kind of stinky or something like that. Uh, now, let me assure you, it's a good thing. Sheep are innocent animals, and they have no natural defenses against predators, so they have to be cared for. 
It's interesting, when I was in, in England, we would go by different uh, a little small farms. It was kind of all broken up in hedgerows and things like that. And you never heard anybody talk about how the cows were being cared for and the horses and, and the uh, chickens. But when it came to sheep, it was amazing. People on the bus would just stop. They'd see a sheep dog with the shepherd out there. And they would comment, look how they're being cared for. In Psalms 23, we kind of get a picture of what that's like. But we don't realize the care that goes on from Jesus. Let me read to you John 10. He says this, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. A hired hand runs away because he cares nothing for the sheep. In other words, he's kind of like a wolf. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. I lay down my life for my sheep. They listen to my voice and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will ever be able to snatch my sheep out of my hands. When you hear that, don't you want to be a sheep? Absolutely, okay? It's interesting as you go through the scriptures and you look at different metaphors, this metaphor, flock, you and I being sheep in his flock, is used more times by Jesus than any other one. Why? Why did Jesus use this term of being in his flock as a church? Will you write this down? It's because in God's flock, I'm protected and cared for. I'm not on my own. In other words, I enjoy safety and security because I've got a good shepherd. And I know that I'm being protected because I am in the flock. When is this important? When you're having, when you're having, when you're being beaten up in the business world, or when your marriage is at a breaking point, or when you're in a financial crisis, or when you are in some kind of health crisis. Folks, that's when it's important. And it's important not just because God is caring for you, it's important because other people care as well. In the flock, there are two types of people that God has set up to take care of you. The first type is a pastor. The word pastor in the Greek is poimen. It means shepherd or pastor. In fact, let me read to you 1 Peter 5, 2. It's my job description. Take care of God's flock, his people, that you are responsible for. Watch over them because you want to, not because you are forced to. Folks, that's my job description, okay? I am, I, I am to take care of God's flock. I am to be responsible for them. I am to watch over them. Let me read this one out of, this, this verse here scares me to death. Hebrews 3.17, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they know they are accountable to God. That verse scares me to death. I'm accountable to God. One day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to have to give an account as being the shepherd of your souls. And that scares me to death. So let me have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with us. If you choose to put yourself under my care as your shepherd at LifePoint Church, 
and you join this church and you serve this body of Christ and you're connected to this temple, if you put your, uh, your, your life under my care, one day I'm going to have to give an account for how well I helped you grow spiritually. And that scares me. And because I'm really not that smart, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Will you pray for me? And I mean that. Will you pray for the pastors of this church? Because we have care over people's souls. And it's not like a business. The church is not a business. It is a body. The church is not an organization. It is an organism. And like business, when it fails, hey, you can just go out and start another one. But people's lives are at stake. And there are eternal consequences. And so will you pray for me? There's a second type of person that God uses to help the flock, and that is this, small groups. 58 times in the New Testament, it says one another, love one another, care for one another, support one another, uh, pray for one another. The only way that that can happen in a church this size is through small groups. Let me read to you a couple of verses here about this. Galatians 6, 2, share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, encourage each other and give each other strength. You, you get strength and I get strength when, you, when we are in a community together where we are connecting knee to knee, face to face. And so here is my question for you. Who is looking out for you? Honestly, who's looking out for your soul? Here's another question. Whose souls are you looking out for? What three or four people that you, can you name in your small group that you are looking out for their soul and they are looking out for your soul? Folks, that's what it means to be a church. That's what it means to be a part. It's not just enough to be loved by God. I am called to belong. And one day you too will stand before God and he's going to ask you this question. How well did you do with that belonging stuff? Now, there is one more metaphor, and the, the final one about the church, and it is this, a garden, and more specifically, a vineyard, okay? And will you write this down? In God's garden, my life becomes productive. This is an organic term about how being a part of a church family helps you grow the fruit, grow the fruit, really, of the Spirit in the garden. Take a look at John 15, 4 through 5. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. I am the vine, and you are the, the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Will you circle the phrase, much fruit? He's calling, he, he, he's talking about being productive in your personal life. The point is this. A disconnected branch can't bear fruit. And God has all kinds of fruit that he is wanting to produce in your life. But you can't produce those if you're not connected to the church and to the vine. You're built into a building. 
You are a part of a body. You are a member of a family. You are a sheep in a flock. And all these connection metaphors are to help you fulfill your purpose. And that is why the second calling on your life is to belong. Now, I want to say this again to our young adults. Your gifts and talents and abilities are important to your church. You don't have to wait until you are 62 years old to use your gifts and talents. Whatever you want to learn, there are people in this church who will be glad to help you. Just take the initiative. And so there are five basic needs in your life that are met through the church. You have the need to know your identity. Who am I really? You have the need to develop stability so that you're not tossed here and fro through every philosophy of life. You have the need to increase your capacity to know your value. You have the need to have security in your life, to know that you're cared for and that truly you're caring for other people. And you have the need to be productive, to have fruit in your life where you are seeing change day after day after day. All of these five things are found in God's family. And if you are really seeking to live your calling, through the church, understand this, that you will have a power to live on. You will have people to live with. You will have principles to live by. You will have a plan to live out, and you will have a purpose to live for. Where are you going to find these things in one place? You're not. Only in God's family. And so here's my question. Why should you remain disconnected from a spiritual family like LifePoint when it offers so much. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you today when I woke up this morning and I got out 5.30 in the morning and just looked up at the sky and saw the stars and, and it was cool crisp, made me thank God that you truly made this universe to make me, to make each and every one of us, that we might receive your love, and that we might know that you have a family that you want us to be a part of, where we can do life together deeply in the good times and in the bad in the times when everything are going our way and when, thing, when, when things are working against us. But God, you have not left us here alone as orphans, but that you have called us to belong. Maybe this morning, I don't know how God spoke to you through this message, but maybe, maybe he brought to your attention the fact that you just need to first receive him. That's your first call, to be loved by Him. You're from the South, and you know a lot of things about God and Christ. There's a church at every corner, but you've never personalized it. You've been a fan of Jesus, but you haven't become a follower. Today, will you do that? 
Will you just drop Christ from your head to your heart just by simply saying this, God, I admit it. I've, I've known about you out there, but today I want to receive that love that you have for me through your son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for my sins. So God, right now, I open my heart to you. I receive you. And if you did that for the very first time, I tell you, God heard you. Would you just let me know that? On your communication card, write the letter A and circle it, standing, I've accepted Christ this morning. And I'll get with you this next week. Send you some literature. But maybe God spoke to you about you need to become or you need to belong to a spiritual family. None of us knows what the future holds. But we do know the one who holds our future in his hand. And he has made a provision, and it's called the church, to meet the deepest needs in our life. Today, if you're not a part of a family, I'd love for you to come to our time where we can just get to know one another. So God, we give you this. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.